welcome back to Grazia Life Advice. It's great, as always, to have you with us. My name is Lottie Jeffs, and with me today is yet another inspirational woman. She's a writer who, at the 2020 British Book Awards, became the first black woman to win Book of the Year for her novel, Queenie. My name is Candice Carty-Williams. I'm an author and screenwriter, and I'm really excited to be on this Grazia Life Advice podcast. Candice's new book is called Empress and Ania and it's her first young adult fiction novel, billed as South London's answer to Freaky Friday. Anaya goes to a private school, she has a really great set of friends and they, you know, they have a nice time. And then Empress joins on a scholarship. She is from a very, very different background and on the eve of their birthday, their 16th birthday, they, as a joke, do a sort of spell they found on the internet and they wake up the next morning in each other's bodies. Coming up, Candice has got so much to say about personal resilience and giving yourself the best chances in life. You have to back yourself when no one else will. Like, you know, you are your only, you're you're your first support system. And I think that that is the key thing. There's also some really candid reflection on mental health and how to know when you should stop trying to be strong. When I finished university and then one of my best friends passed away everything just hit me and I was not able to I mean I wasn't able to do anything but I definitely wasn't able to be strong and there was such a disconnect when it came to me getting better. I really took a lot from my chat with Candice and I hope you do too. Hi Candice how's your day going so far? <laughs> um, I woke up with a with a bit of a cold actually Lottie so I'm just taking it easy on myself but yeah, yeah I've been I've been testing um so much that my nose hurts but I'm I'm COVID free just just have a cold I feel like we all have a cold right now like the entire United Kingdom is just sniffling away yeah I do too so yeah it's weird it just makes you realize like what it was like not being ill I don't know about you but like I just wasn't ill for like two years I know it was amazing it was a really good time yeah Cool. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for being here today. And um, you have sent us through six pieces of great advice and Mm -hmm. one piece of um, like less good advice, um, which we'll come to. So your first piece of advice, I think, came from your dad. Is that right? Yes, that is right. That is one of the, (laughs) I think, the only positive thing he has ever said to me, but it's always stuck with me. And what is it? Uh, It is, if you don't ask, you don't get. Okay. And what do you think your dad meant by that? And then I guess follow up question, what have you taken from that? I think, I mean, he's a very literal man. uh, So I think he literally uh, was like, you have to vocalise what you want, else you're Mm. never going to get it. Um, And I guess I've taken exactly that from it because I, I guess I'm quite a, well, I know that I'm quite a shy person, but also not someone who can very readily vocalize their needs or their wants and so I have to always remember this like through my life when I I'm not happy with something or when I want something to change in particular I think the first time that I remember having to like say it to myself a lot was um when I when I started the Guardian and Fourth Estate short story prize back in the day so like a few years ago when I was working at Fourth Estate and I was longing for change um, when it came to what we were publishing, because I was constantly searching for underrepresented authors and was just not seeing or finding any. And I basically went away, came up with the idea for this prize and then had to come back and ask the publishing house I was working at, Fourth Estate, if we could do that. And I remember being really 
nervous, I guess, because it was quite a big, you know, it was a big thing at the time. It was the first initiative of, of that kind. And so being really nervous, but knowing that I had to ask, ask for it else, change wouldn't come, you know? Yeah. What do you think it is that so many of us find daunting about asking for what we want? I think it's the fear of rejection, right? I think a lot of people who are very confident just assume they're going to get what they want. So just mm. go into it. And I think the people who don't have that confidence either just settle with what they've got because they're scared that when they ask for what they need, they'll get a no. And that is scary. Rejection is really, really scary. And I think that kind of, well, I guess understanding that is part and parcel of being able to ask for what you need, just knowing that the answer might not be yes, but that's fine. Yeah. And do you think there's another thing maybe specifically or more so for, for women in asking for what you want, which is like, you don't want to come across as being too pushy. Yeah, and I just definitely remember this sort of gender divide when I was what when I would would work in an office, male and female colleagues who would ask for similar things were given very different labels. You know, there was yeah. confident versus uh, assertive, or confident versus ambitious, and you know, ambitious was never a positive thing. You know, um, let's move on to your second piece of advice, which is a promise is a comfort to a fool. Yes. Which sounds almost Shakespearean, but it was your mother. Yeah. Um, she used to say that to me when I was when I was young. Uh, and I think she lives by that advice because she never promises me anything. And I think her thing was always like, you know, people will tell you that they're going to give you anything, give you the world. And they're not always going to do that. And that was really, really helpful to know. She was like, you just don't have to. I think her whole thing was like, don't believe people which kind of sounds a bit cynical but she's a really optimistic person I think that realism is like the only bit of of not negativity but I guess the only bit of real life that snuck through her sunny disposition and, and outlook and so now I'm I I don't really I'm, I don't really engage in promises you know and I, I'm sure that one thing that I've understood is that people can say they will do something or say they're going they're want to do something and I think that they believe that they will when they say it but I try not to hold on to those things. So does that mean you also try not to make promises to other people? I never make promises to people because I remember what my mum said and I was like I again I, I can say that I will do x y and z and I will always try to do what I can but I will never ever ever use the term promise ever I ever. I think that's really useful advice so it's more like you'll say I'll really do my best to get this done by this time or something yeah. rather than I'll definitely do it. Yeah. Or I'll be there if I can. And that's like one of the other big things, because like, I think one thing that um, in like, you know, lockdown obviously was a frightful thing, uh, but it gave us a lot of time to be still, to have to be still. Um, and that was in a way quite a good thing for a few of us because it meant we actually had to sit with ourselves and, and face the things that we were running away from, but also just like, be by ourselves for I live by myself so I was very much by myself for a long time um and then when 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 life opened again and uh, events were happening and parties were happening and you know it was actually really overwhelming uh for me and also for many others and so yeah it made me yeah just going out and having to to do those things and say I would be there was always like I now know that actually I don't I don't want to do lots of things that I was just doing before so yeah. I can just, you know, maybe that I'm not antisocial. I just, uh, 
really like to be uh, in my house. And I, I think that that's actually a really good way of phrasing it. I'll be there if I can, because you, the intention is there. You're grateful for the invitation. You plan to show up, but there's that thing of just never knowing how you're going to feel on the day. Very much so. That's like very much my thing. Um, you know, I make lots of that. And I'm someone who tries to squeeze 17 things into a day. And I know that about myself. So I'm always like, just see what you can do. But yeah, in terms of like deadlines, I try and do those. Like, <laughs> thank you. Shout out to my, my weary editor. Um, but yeah, it's very much a, uh, it's very much, I think also in relationships, that's one thing or any kind of situationship or similar. I think that lots of promises are made, but actually just don't know how you'll feel and you know, love and everything around it, that is ever-changing. And so I definitely hold that in my heart, that idea mm. of not, you know, people can promise you the world. Um, and I, I do really think that they they intend to fulfil that. But things change. Um, when I say people, I mean myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> it must feel extra good then when someone does fulfil a promise to you. That must be a good Yeah, feeling. it's a big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Your third piece of advice is to back yourself. Can you yes. talk to us a bit about this and when you kind of, I guess, first really felt that it was something that you were doing? Absolutely. I um, I definitely, as someone who's like always had a lot of self-doubt, do you know, what? I actually can't remember when this came to me or remember when I first started truly believing it. But I I just, I, I just you know, always doubting that I'm right or doubting you know we all do as women I think especially being like oh no I, my appearance or like on oh, my hair or my figure or you know all of those things but I think that you have to back yourself when no one else will like you know you are your only you're, you're your first support system you know your voice is the loudest voice in your head you know when we're always saying negative things to ourselves what does that do to you like what does that do to your ability to be confident. And I think confident is like the biggest thing when it comes to waking up in the morning, being able to look in the mirror and be like, okay, I've got this. I'm going to do this day. When it comes to working, when it comes to being around people, confidence is like the key thing. You have to know like who you are and what you bring to the table. And you can't do any of those things unless you really back yourself, you know, like you have to be your biggest supporter and your biggest fan. And it's, you know, I have a lot of people around me. I'm very lucky have loads of amazing friends who are really supportive and really kind and really engaged in my work and none of the the amazing compliments they were giving me were were sinking in because I just didn't back myself at all and it was until I had to have a word of myself and also lots of therapy and learn how to properly back myself that any of this stuff would take. It's so true I think particularly over lockdown just being stuck I don't know about you but with like this internal monologue the entire time just rolling around and around in my head like for me it was things like oh don't have a biscuit can't have a biscuit you had toast for (laughs) breakfast you know like just inane kind of self uh regulation and judgment and it just got so just infuriating and boring yeah boring (laughs) is exactly right that kind of can reflect back to you yeah a different person it was about having that space and learning to just sit with myself and be kind to myself mm-hmm. and just to be like, yeah, my like my cheerleader. That's really and, important. And I'm interested that you said earlier that you identify as a shy person. Actually, confidence and shyness can coexist. Yes. I think you can be a shy, confident person, can't you? Yes. 
I definitely am one of those, but that's taken again, a lot of therapy, uh, just to be able to walk into a room. And even if you're scared, be able to stay in that room and not run screaming. <laughs> also to be able to hold conversations with people and, and, and know what you bring to the table. I think that's super important, but yeah, the, the two are not mutually exclusive, but I've surrounded myself with a lot of confident extroverts who are in no way shy at all. And I love it. And I think I have gravitated towards all of those people because I need to to be around it. Like the majority of my friends are really outgoing and loud, expressive people who also know how to back themselves. Mm. Um, and I would always look at them and, and be like, yeah, you should be able to be like that too. Yeah. We're going to be back after this short break with more life advice from Candice Carty-Williams. We're back with Candice Carty-Williams, who is now going to share with us her fourth piece of life advice. Yes. So this one, I remember this came from Lettuce, who is one of my best friends. We were working together and I'd just gone through a really horrible breakup and uh, I did not know how to be. Because it was, you know, how you don't, you never know how to be when you're having, when you're going through a breakup. And I remember that she said to me, "You need to handle this," which is one of the worst things with grace and dignity. And I was like, "Yes, I do," but I wasn't not. But that was just like her initial piece of advice when I was about to go through it. And it was really, really, you know, breakups are really, really hard. I mean, I don't rem- really remember the ins and outs of the relationship now, which shows you a lot. But I remember at the time just feeling quite chaotic and not knowing just how to handle it at all. And I didn't really have, you know, like my mum was like, oh, you know, it's bad, isn't it? And so I didn't really have anyone who was like, you know, how do you move through it? And I don't think that there is anything. I mean, there's obviously no blueprint on how to move through a breakup. But just knowing that you handle things with grace and dignity is obviously the best way and then actually I just remember carrying that through life and like other relationships or situationships or anything that I was in and just wanting to be like yeah I don't ever want to do anything that means you can come back at me you know Mm. I'm just going to handle this in the best way that I can even if inside I am screaming and I want to um do and say terrible horrible things but yeah, I'm also just not that person anyway. But just knowing that like yeah. Grace and Dignity were my two friends that were going to walk me through. Uh-huh. Can we unpick those words a little bit just um, to really understand what you mean by Grace and Dignity? Like, um, yeah, I guess what do you what do you think of as Grace? Uh, grace to me is, I guess, patience, sensitivity and understanding. Being able to rise above the situation and dignity is also just being able to be strong in that too and also to be yeah just to be dignified and to be like I'm not going to stoop to a level that perhaps yeah. you are stooping to you yeah. know it's good um, to remind yourself of those things grace and dignity I like that yeah your fifth piece of advice Candice is that some people enter your life as lessons and when you've learned the lessons let them go let the people go. Let the lessons go. Let the people go. Ooh. Let the people go. Uh, yeah, that one has been amazing. Also, I was uh, I was thinking about that the other day. So that kind of, I can't remember where, and again, can't remember where and how it came to me, but I tweeted something similar the other day 
And lots of people responded to it being like, that's exactly right. So I know that a lot of us have been going through it. But I also saw that Mother Teresa had said something similar, uh, not to draw comparisons with the <laughs> two of us. Uh, but, you know, she obviously what well, she was talking if, about in some ways. Yeah. So how do you do that, like, in a kind way, do you think? Or how do you do that with grace and dignity? How do you let someone go? I mean, letting people go is really, really hard. It's not, it's never, yeah, it's not easy. It's never easy. And it's, you know, it's friendships, it's it's romantic relationships, it's everything to, between the two. And I think it is just being kind and being communicative mm-hmm. and, and basically being like, I need to not be in this for myself. And I hope that if you care about me, you will understand that. And I've done that and I've had that conversation a few times and it's never been taken well, but then I have to still, as I said, look after my myself. And with all of those things I've had to walk away from, the people that I've had to let go because, you know, they've taught me something about myself or or maybe something about the person or how the two of us do or do not work. Um, mm. And again, in any context, this isn't just relationships. Um, this is also professional relationships. This is leaving your job. It's like, I, I you know, when I've had to, to leave jobs, it's like I've, I've learned enough. I, I know what I, I need to know. And I also know that this mm. isn't the space that I, that is for me anymore. I, I've, I've, I'm done, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think you have to know when it is right to leave. And I think there is always a good way to do that. You know, no ghosting. I don't believe in ghosting. I think ghosting yeah. is very yeah. unkind. Um, so I think, yeah, communication is like, is big key. If I had like a number seven of like life advice, communication is key would be like, I guess that's like one of the overarching ones, I guess. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, it comes through in all right? of them really. Mm. Yeah, and I think like one of the things that I um, have been doing with my therapist is like think, talking about and thinking about radical honesty Ooh, and yeah. that, right? And so like that also feeds into having to, you know, very kindly absent yourself from a situation or a relationship um by just knowing what what um what's good for you and what isn't good for you and I think that lots of people stay in situations or jobs or at parties for too long because they are so true I love that parties reference because it it is all the same thing really like the thing that keeps you at a party when you're not enjoying it is the same thing that keeps you in a relationship when you're not enjoying it in a way and I guess it's like people pleasing partly or yeah fear of being judged again or I think it's people pleasing and also just this thing that like it might get better things (laughs) might get better Mm. and I think that that is and that you know and if we're going to talk about in terms of of parties you're just like it's not like it's it's some you know someone's crying in the corner something's just smashed someone's been sick it's time to go home it's not getting better but in terms of people it's like you know if you try and work through things as much as possible but you don't feel like that person is able to change or that person Mm. is able to hear you out in the way that you need or also I think a lot of the time what happens is you change and the other person stays the same Mm -hmm. and you've learned that too Mm. and so I think that is uh your cue to leave yeah and I think in terms of the sort of lesson element it can take a while for that lesson to become clear to you can't it yeah oh my god yeah yeah, it does. It does. It takes a long time, but also, I think it's fine. I don't. I mean, I don't think ever saying anything to the wheels fall off, but I think definitely see things through enough, and I think that you always know in yourself when it's time to go, mm-hmm. and it can be a hard realization, 
but you know, I think you know. Yeah, for sure. Your sixth piece of advice make, <laughs> made me laugh and uh, I did relate to it a lot. Can you tell us what it is? Back up your work. Back your work, please. I'm begging you. The amount of people that I've had to, I mean, like Carrie Bradshaw, she was obviously my first, uh, you know, she was my introduction mm-hmm. to this. I cannot remember which Sex and City episode, but I remember it very vividly. She lost all of her work because her very old Mac broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aiden replaced it with a new one and she didn't like it because she was very ungrateful. <laughs> Spin-off um, Sex and the City podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But I just have loads of friends who call me up and they're like, oh my God, oh my God, I think I've lost something. I think I've lost my work. And it's like, ah, oh, I can't help you. And you can't, I can't help you. And I want to help you, but I can't because you should have backed it up. And that mm. sounds really mean, but I back up everything all the time. So when I'm writing any draft that I do and I'm very old school I write on just like your standard Microsoft Word but I send versions of it to my another email address like every night like when I finish a session because I'm like even if I lose that like seven lines that I've tinkered with today I will not remember them again um and so always back up your work so yeah back yourself and also back your work have you ever had a disaster in that respect then or have you always been good at doing it I've always been good at doing it because I'm such a, I can be such a belt and braces person. Like just make sure because I hate, hate, hate Lottie. I hate blaming myself for things. And so I always just try. And it's like, it's like if, if I, if like my computer broke and I couldn't get into my email address and everything went wrong, then I'd be like, at least I knew I did what I could. Mm. Um, And this is like, yeah, that's a really, that's probably like the most, that's like the most boring piece of advice probably ever. I think it's probably the most like genuinely (laughs) useful. (laughs) Yeah. I've had the worst thing I've had is when I've done like celebrity interviews for magazines and um, it hasn't recorded. Oh God. That is like, I I think that happened to me once for then me to be like, every time after that to be like, I'm going to record it on my iPhone, on my dictaphone, yeah. ask them to record it. Like it was just so embarrassing and mortifying. But yeah, it definitely taught me a lesson. Yeah, you absolutely have to. Yeah, I do that too when I'm interviewing people. I have it like in, and I have, do you have the fear when you're doing an interview? And I do, I've been doing that. Like, that. I don't know if you've noticed up. me like looking down at my like recorder, but I've been like, is it recording? And then you know it's recording, but there's still that thing in the back of your head. Like maybe it's just stopped. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No. It's 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 really terrifying. So yeah, make sure you back back your things up, people, because yeah. you know you don't want you don't want to blame anyone. Your worst piece of advice, Candice, Can you hit us with that, please? Yes. The worst piece of advice I received, which I received a million times as growing up, was to be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hits differently for very for you know for different types of people and for very different reasons. But I think that as a young black woman black women of any age really you are told or you have this idea that you should just be strong throughout your entire life I heard it a lot when I was growing up so when I was growing up I was very sensitive I'm very sensitive now so I don't know I said it like that but I am very sensitive all the time now as an adult I'm able to like I just respect that I'm sensitive and I know that I'm sensitive and everything is easier because I understand the emotional framework that I I am within you know and I have really amazing friends who are good at being like oh, this has happened. You know, like I have a thing with grief. Um, And so like if someone, a celebrity has passed away and the timeline on Twitter is like awash with grief, I have amazing friends who are like, just so you know, this has happened. So, you know, like take care of yourself when you, when you, um, when you go onto Twitter, for example. Growing up though, 
the advice from my family was always just to, they recognized my sensitivity, but that was to them a weakness. And I should always just be strong because they had been strong and, you know, they were just coping fine. Mm. And it was like, yeah, no, I don't want to cope though. I want to be able to live. So I don't just want to, you know, I don't want to just exist my way through life. I want to be able to enjoy my life. And yeah, I think just from a, from a, from a young age, this is just this understanding, this prevailing understanding of black women that we are older than our years. Like I, I, um, I wrote an essay for this, uh, collection and this story is Keisha the Skep published by Murky Books and it's a young black woman's story that was written years ago and was found um, and is being published and in the essay collection I talk about the I guess the hypersexualization of, of young black women I was doing some research and there's anecdotal and like data-driven research that's that tells us that black girls are not seen as black girls from a young age and their white counterparts are seen as young girls like it's just it's as it's as cut and dry as as that and so yeah from like a tiny age I was always having to listen to lots of my family problems like and you know my dad would moan about like everything when I'd see him and I would be affected by all of these things so deeply mm. and if I dared to say like oh I'm upset I would just be told off and I'll just be strong like just just toughen up right. just toughen up and and just don't worry about it and also from it, coming from a Caribbean family as well, big on like just saying your prayers and everything will go away. And it was just this this relentless onslaught of of just being this person that I just wasn't. And then, you know, you, you watch um, films and TV and black female representation. Women are always strong and sassy. And I was like, I'm not any of those things. So I was always trying to find this. I was always trying to just sort of, I don't know, it was like a fictional version of myself that was like impenetrable and, you know, found everything funny or just didn't really, you yeah. know, wasn't really affected by things. And that was a nightmare. Um, mm. And then everything just, everything sort of, when I finished university and then one of my best friends passed away, everything just hit me. And I was not able to, I mean, I wasn't able to do anything, but I definitely wasn't able to be strong. And there was such a disconnect when it came to me getting better because I kept trying to uphold this idea that I was really strong. Mm. And I know now 10 years later that I should have just, well, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I should have just been like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm struggling because I'm, I'm not as strong as everyone says I should be. And no one really is like who, who really is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. To just, um, and that must've just taken such a lot of unraveling to get to the place of of realizing that you had carried with you this idea of having to be this strong person for so many years and it sounds yeah. like the death of your friend was obviously the watershed moment for that absolutely but even still you must have been sort of battling with that at the same time of thinking like I'm there's something wrong with me for allowing myself this grief or allowing myself these feelings and which would have made a already really upsetting situation even more difficult to deal with I imagine yeah definitely and I started having I mean the th I started having panic attacks which was like such a physical marker of feeling unwell or feeling overwhelmed or feeling frightened and afraid and I remember saying to my I remember telling my dad who we know is not you know he's Jimmy he, I mean he, he gave one good piece of advice and that was it <laughs> 
Um, but I remember saying to him, you know, I keep having these these things where I can't breathe and I, I can't, um, you know, I just feel like everything's sort of spinning and I can't eat and I can't sleep and everything is. And he said, um, just be brave, just be brave. And then I spoke to my sister, my bigger sister about it, maybe like a year later. And she said, oh, you know, dad used to have panic attacks when he was your age. And I was like, really? what the hell? Yeah. And so like, rather than say to me, like, oh, I had those, you will be okay. It will get better. The advice given was like, just toughen up mm. and be brave and be strong. And, you know, you just, yeah, as you say, like you just end up making things so much worse. I've been like, things are bad and there's something wrong with me and I'm not coping yeah. with it the way that everyone else obviously would be able to because everyone else is just tougher than me and everyone else is stronger than me and life is really hard you know I'm just drowning and everything so mm. yeah it's really tough it's yeah, really tough yeah I try with I've got a kid who's three and um Aww. it's interesting like I I've been sort of telling myself of like not stopping her from feeling stuff when she's feeling it but mm. also not indulging it when it's like completely irrational because she's three right so a lot of yeah. it is like just mad but I'm really trying to like bring her up in a way where she knows that like if she's feeling sad or disappointed about something that that's okay like she's a lot I'm not scared of those feelings yeah. in her as her one of her mothers I'm like okay for her to feel because I think sometimes that sort of idea of being brave, you also feel like you have to do it for other people. Oh, like it's you're scared of what will happen to your parents or your friends if you do allow yourself to just be vulnerable yeah. and let it all go. 100%. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like my daughter to grow up feeling like I was robust enough to cope with her, her feelings. Yeah. But um, I don't know if I'm getting it right. Trying my best. And on the subject of influencing Younger Generations brings us smoothly onto the uh, launch of your new young adult book. Can you tell us what it's called and a bit about it, please? Yeah, so Empress and Anaya is about uh, two young girls, obviously. I'm big into astrology, so they're both Pisces. Um, and they're kind of different sides of Pisces. So you have Empress, who is, uh, what would we call her? She is, they're both empathetic, but she is the sort of tougher Pisces who has had to, I guess be strong throughout her life mm -hmm. for reasons that uh, are, are shown in the book. And we have Anaya who is, she's given the space in her life because of, you know, her parents have, have money and have status. And so she's given that space to be able to be caring and to look out for herself, but also for others. And uh, Anaya goes to a, a private school. She has a really great set of friends and they, you know, they have a nice time. And then Empress joins on a scholarship and she is from a very, very different background. And on the eve of their birthday, their 16th birthday, they, as a joke, do a sort of spell they found on the internet. And they wake up the next morning in each other's bodies. And they have to hide this from, well, from Anaya's parents. Empress's mum is, 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 is not around in the way that a parent would or should be. And they've got to exist in the others experiences and 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 live their lives through 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 the others and yeah it's really fun it's really fun it and sounds I really love brilliant it. i can't wait to read it and i'm surely um, there's going to be an adaptation of it because it just sounds so right for tv or film so thank, thank you. you for writing it and thank you so much for talking to us today on congrats your life advice 
it's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much. That was really nice. It was so nice. Yeah, it was nice to chat. Candice Carty-Williams, thanks again so much. The book out now is called Empress and Ania. As ever, if you've enjoyed listening today, it really helps us out if you can like, share and review Grazia Life Advice wherever you get your podcasts. I'd be so grateful if you did. Thank you, take care and I'll see you next time.